The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Yeah, yeah, I looked at it and I kind of was like, why does he look so familiar? You know, I was like, it's just kind of weird. And then I was, it, it hit me and I was like, he looks exactly like Teddy. And it's funny because his mom follows me on Twitter. And so I tweeted about it and like, yeah, you know, kind of crazy. Look like, and she was like, let me see the picture. And she, <laughs> so I was like, I was kind of going back and forth with her. And it's, it's kind of nice every once in a while to get a laugh here, here and there. So, but it's dead on, man. He looks exactly like him. Yeah, between uh, Quincy Riley, Teddy Bridgewater, and then Cassius Winston. I don't know if you remember him that played at Michigan State. They, they are the trios of Teddy Bridgewater's, dude. Like, they all look <laughs> the exact same. If you listen closely, you can hear the sounds of tackle dummies, whistles blowing, coaches screaming at players already. Day one, fall camp today. As I sit here and record this episode, I'm Jacob Lane, host of From the Pink Seats podcast. We've got a ton to get into tonight as our uh, preview of the season rolls along here in week one. Obviously, we're coming off of having Malik Cunningham, Louisville football quarterback. If you've not heard that episode, please, I I will give you permission to step away from this one and go and listen to that one because it's a great episode. But tonight we've got a great episode in store. Matt and Vincent have both left me here solo. Matt, I will give the pass, headed off to Antigua in the morning to get a uh, little bit of vacation, which I don't know who told him that that was okay. Uh, but then Vince, completely different story, texts me just a few hours ago and tells me he had a late day at work. He needs to hit the gym. And so I, while I respect wanting to keep that full back body in check, uh, we're going to miss him tonight. So instead of having a full house, it's just the neighbors, right? That's what they can call us. In 2022, you can do podcasts virtually. You can do them in person. There's a number of different ways. But I don't think many people across the country are doing podcasts with people 20 feet across the street. And that's what we're doing tonight. Myself, Jacob Lane, joined by Keith Wynn. From the Car Chronicle, Keith Wynn. How are you, buddy? It's great to talk to you. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, man, it's it's, it's definitely good to be back on the show. Good to get football season, you know, going again. Uh, really excited to start writing and talking about football again. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if you have a drink in your hand, but uh, we've got to pour one out for our buddy uh, Cameron Teague, who by all means is still doing wonderful, doing great out there, whatever he's up to. But uh, it's the first time Keith's been on the show without without uh, Mr. Teague in probably th- two years. So we got to pour one out for our buddy tonight who's not joining the show. Uh, but Keith, I digress and we, we jump right into it, man. Day one of Louisville camp, uh, it kind of gets real now, right? Football goes from talk to now the guys getting into uh, actual practice and getting everything prepared for the season, which is roughly about 30 days away. Um, before we jump into like the serious stuff, I, I, there's two things I want to talk about. First, we got to talk about Quincy Riley, a.k.a. Teddy Bridgewater Jr., uh, which you tweeted about <laughs> earlier. And then we've got to talk about this number two conundrum that is just baffling me by the moment uh, in which I but how about Quincy Riley, dude? I mean, you talk about um, a spinning image of somebody. It really does look like we're we're like seven years back in the time machine looking at Teddy Bridgewater. I saw the pic that you tweeted and it's just it's crazy. It's dead on. I, I just happened. Yeah, yeah, I looked at it and I kind of was like, why does he look so familiar? You know, I was like, it's just kind of weird. And then I was, it, t- it hit me and I was like, he looks exactly like Teddy. And it's funny because his mom follows me on Twitter. And so I tweeted about it and like, yeah, you know, kind of crazy. Look like, and she was like, let me see the picture. And 
<laughs> so I was like, I was kind of going back and forth with her, and it's, it's kind of nice every once in a while to get a laugh here, here and there. So, but it's dead on, man. He looks exactly like him. Yeah, between uh, Quincy Riley, Teddy Bridgewater, and then Cassius Winston. I don't know if you remember him that played at Michigan State. They they are the trios of Teddy Bridgewater's dude. Like yeah, they all look the exact it's, same. It's and then here's the other thing. Okay, we've got. I've got to ask you this as somebody who follows the roster, which we're going to get into. We've got a great new segment that I'm excited to introduce with with Keith, the knower of all things football going to get into a little bit of a quiz later on to test his knowledge but i've got to ask you about this I've, I've texted about four people about this number two conundrum i don't know if you saw in the the team picture that was put out this morning and then some of the videos louisville has three guys wearing the same number which is you know two guys wearing the same number not not weird happens all the time but you got three guys wearing the, the number two and so i was diving into a rabbit hole of conspiracy theories and theories of what may be going on because that can't happen all season right, right? You, you, you can't ever have an opportunity where those guys are on the field at the same time and two of them caleb johnson and d wiggins play the same uh, side of the ball yep yep i'm not really sure what the plan is but the thing about Caleb Johnson that's funny to me is that he's been listed on the roster as number two and number 12 and then back to number two. And so it's kind of one of those things where I don't know if – I almost wonder if, you know, because right now on offense, number 12 is Devon Mortimer. Mm-hmm. And so on the roster-wise, and he's not mm-hmm. here, obviously, and, and there's still always very much up in there if he's going to be here. So do they move Caleb Johnson to 12 if Mortimer doesn't show up or – is the plan that hey Johnson's going to redshirt no matter what, and he's not you know they're just going to you know not burnish the redshirt no matter no matter what happens? Do they do like they've done in the past where I've been trying to catch up on games uh, this week because I'm super behind on prep, but I was watching uh I was watching the game and I think there was you, know, you hear the the ref over the loudspeaker say number eleven is now number thirty three and I'm like. Maybe they just go that route, and if they if they actually have to play them, they just give them a the, the faux jersey thing. It's it's stupid. Let's just start there. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny though. It's, it's funny. funny <laughs> it's, it's so it's funny. Like, why why would you guys put yourself in this situation? You know, but yeah, I do. But what it is. here's the thing, and I think if uh, this is an interesting conversation, and I don't want to get into the specifics of Devon Mortimer's situation, just come out and say whether or not the dude's going to play for the football team already. He's on the roster online, but he's not here. Everybody reported to campus yesterday. At some point, they got to answer that. And the number two quarterback situation, I, I was telling Matt and Vince in our group chat, maybe Caleb Johnson's out for the year, and they're just not even going to be shy about it. Uh, but then you get you get video today of him throwing in practice. So, you know, we got a number two conundrum here. Uh, yeah. Going to be definitely something to, to watch over the next couple of weeks. But um, let's put aside the, the silly stuff here and jump right into the, the actual football stuff that is going on. And there's a number of different ways to kind of go about tackling this because this, this Louisville team is – it's definitely one of the more interesting uh, just narrative driven seasons, considering what happened late last year with the collapse against Kentucky and then the loss to Air Force, the recruiting resurgence of Scott Satterfield and going from the, the most hated to now the most loved coach on campus. A very weird offseason. Uh, but now Louisville's in this show me mode, which, like Malik said in the, in the podcast on uh, on Monday, you know, now it's time to stop talking and it's time to play football. Uh, so, Keith, going into the season, what is the biggest storyline or the biggest kind of overall narrative of this football program that you are most most interested in? I think it's the the potential of the defense, of the, the additions on the defense side of the ball. Um, you know, I think that everybody um, would agree that the offense, you know, has been doing enough over the last few years, you know, 
not to the point where they've been, you know, lighting the world on fire, but, you know, you have off, you have an offense that puts up a lot of yards. Um, you know, they haven't scored as much as you want. You know, they're, they're, they've been top 40. And obviously if you're top 20 in, the, in yards, you want to be top 25 in, in points. But I think that, you know, you bring back so much on the offensive side of the ball with your entire offensive line coming back with, with Brian Hudson essentially taking on that starting role as a going from the number six guy uh, and a guy that started a game or two last year to a full-time starter, former all, freshman All-American. So you know what you're getting with the guy that's replacing Cole Bentley. You know, that's always where it starts. And if your offensive line is really good, then you know that you're going to be in good shape. And then you obviously have Malik and, and the running back situation is great. The receivers, there's still some questions, but, you know, they've, they've got so much coming back there. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, they had some flashes last year where they played really well and they had and they, they just were so inconsistent. I mean, you know, like I said, I've been watching these games this week, and you even go to the Florida State game where they're up big and, you know, the second half starts, and next thing you know, they can't stop the run. And it's like, well, you know, their quarterback hasn't been able to throw the ball all game. Why aren't we just stacking the box? You, you just start getting these things. It's like, how is this defense go from being so good in one half and being so bad in the second half? Or you go to the Virginia game, and the entire third quarter, they just shut down that offense, and then the fourth quarter comes, and they can't stop anything. So, you you, you know, the potential, though, is that, you add these new guys at all three levels, um, especially in the secondary. Uh, you get the, one of the best transfers in the country in Jermaine Lillet. That's the big thing. Can they? Can that defense become uh, enough to, to get them over the hump? Because I think the offense, you know, no matter what, in almost every game, they still were scoring. They still were pretty good in every game. Even they had a bad game, they were still good enough that if your defense is stepping up, then the offense is going to be able to play a little bit better. They've got to get to get over that hump on defense where they can be consistent, uh, not dominant. I don't think that's – I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible. But they've got to at least be able to stop people from time to time and give give them a chance to actually win games by multiple scores as opposed to getting ahead by multiple scores. And then next thing you know, it's a close game again. Yeah, I just don't understand this – Kind of well, I do understand because Louisville's last two seasons have been marred with inconsistencies, bad plays late in the game. But I, you look at Louisville and where they're projected this year, and they're stuck in this land of six to seven wins with most prognosticators making the selection of what they think they'll do on the season. And I know they were picked to finish what was it fourth, I think, in the ACC uh, Atlantic Conference, um, which is you know not bad by any means. But um, I just don't get how more people don't see a path to eight nine wins like I do, which you know I, I've said. Uh, on the show for the last two months, I think this is the most talented team Louisville's had since 2016, maybe even further back than that. When you look at what they are from top to bottom, now there are a lot of questions, right? But this team is built, they're built to win because of they've got depth, overall power in the trenches. You mentioned Brian Hudson. You've obviously got a first team all ACC guy in Caleb Chandler. You probably need a third guy to really emerge in that, in that offensive line to feel like they could be dominant. But we saw what they did against Clemson last year. And then you look at the proven pass catchers. I know it's not the stable that you thought you'd have with Tyler Harrell uh, and Jordan Watkins, but you've got Marshawn Ford, who's the team's leading receiver, coming back uh, as a tight end. And then you've got D. Wiggins. Uh, and Tyler Hudson, two guys who did it, uh, you know, at different levels, uh, both playing and statistically, but they're guys who have proven that they can make plays when given the opportunity. And then you bring back Amari Huggins-Bruce, who um, Matt thinks could be at a thousand yard receiver this year. And I don't disagree with him. You're talking about the jump two to make. Why couldn't Amari Huggins-Bruce make the same thing? And then on top of that, you've got a budding pass rush. You've got a proven secondary 
uh, I shouldn't say a proven secondary, but you got a playmaking secondary with guys who can uh, absolutely become those kind of proven top of the ACC, Katrell Clark, Kendrick Duncan kind of guys. And then you've got the coaching staff, which I think that's one of the most underrated storylines in fall camp is the impact of Coach Crime, Weston McGriff, uh, Lance Taylor, uh, and some of the other Nick Cardwell as the, as the offensive line coach, Josh Stepp. We still don't know who is coaching special teams. I think that's a narrative that's not being talked about enough. But overall, this team, Keith, I think they're built to win a lot of games because of how they're kind of uh, inside the trenches, much stronger than what they have been, and then kind of have those skill positions and those you know kind of traits that you look for in a winning football program. Well, I think, you know, to your point, there's a path to that, you know, eight, nine wins, but it goes through probably two, maybe even three ranked wins to get there. And, you know, I, I had a conversation yesterday and I always try to point this out because I've out my, you know, I think it's, it, it comes off like I'm being, you know, making excuses to some, but Louisville from a, from a standpoint, I, when I look at ranked wins, I'm talking about ranked at the end of the season because, right. You can get a ranked win in week one, and then that team that was ranked can go four and, you know, eight, and next thing you know, that's not really a really impressive win. Ranked it in the season is the way I always looked at it because that's when you know you have good teams. And last last year they played a bunch of teams that ended up, ended up ranked in the season, uh, teams that won nine and ten games, and it was a tough schedule. Well, over the history of Louisville's, you know, recent, you know, recent history, they haven't – the last ranked win was 2016 against Florida State, and before that it was the Sugar Bowl. So that's that's a long time. They've played ranked teams every you know every year, and they lose every single time. Every time, except for the Florida State game. So yeah. that's where for me, you know, I always say, and like I said, I think it comes off sometimes like I'm either a making excuses or dogging Louisville. But at the end of the day, the the ceiling for Louisville's football program is not nearly as high as people believe it is because the the amount of wins you have at the end of the season doesn't tell the whole story who you beat matters and Louisville hasn't beaten anybody other than that Florida state team since they joined ACC. And I think that's something that people need to really take a step back and really kind of reassess how they view Louisville's program because yeah, they went six and seven last year, but they lost to a lot of good teams. Right. And when, and, and when you can't, when you haven't as a program gotten over that hump where you're consistently doing that, I don't know if it's totally fair to judge the program and say, well, they're not very good right now. It's like, well, really? They're about where they've been before. They're beating the teams they should beat. And every once in a while, they might get a, a, a fun or nice win. But at the end of that season, it's like, yeah, that really wasn't as impressive as it seemed at the time. So I think that's where, you know, I see that path. But that path goes through that second half of the schedule yeah. where I think it's unless those teams falter. And I think that there's the potential for, you know, obviously Clemson, you know, had a down year with 10 wins last year. Yeah. But I think they also lost some talented players. How does DJ U- U- Uyangale play this year? Maybe he's not the guy. Then you've got a true freshman backup. Or Hunter Johnson. You got Hunter Johnson, man. You can always Hunter go back Hunter to Johnson, the Northwestern yeah. transfer, dude, for the, the third. The one transfer they took. And it's like, this is <laughs> this has to be a joke, right? But it's just, it's, it's, you know, I think there's some things that could happen in the second half of the season. But the main thing is they've got to start off five and one, six and oh. And I think they could. I really do think they could go six and oh. Yeah. They, they've beaten all those teams. I think Virginia obviously is a team that is, should not be nearly as good as they were with just an okay season last year. Yeah, and who's going to block, who's going to, who's going to block you see Abdullah. That's the thing I keep right. going back to with Virginia. I get, they got the most talented web dynamic weapons and, and potentially in the conference, uh, which is so weird to say. I mean, I know they've yeah. had weapons throughout the years, but 
they don't have anybody to block, dude. That's yeah. where it's like games like that. I start to nitpick little details because it's not like Louisville's been getting blasted by these by these teams, right? And know? what and it's all about what gets you the next, what gets you that next step, or what gets you over the hump. Louisville brings back a lot of players, and then they just add it to it. You don't really have to replace outside of your receivers. That is, you know, a fair question and a fair concern. There is not a position group that just, hey, we lost this great talent that we couldn't replace. And I love C.J. Avery, one of my favorite Louisville players ever. Oh, he's C.J. The best. Avery yeah. is not a guy that you're like, man, we lost the first team All-American. You know, right. like that's that would be a point that I'm like, yeah, we really, like you got a really concerned. Next year, you know, when you're talking about how do we replace Malik, how do you replace somebody, you know, Trey Clark, you know, that's a totally different story. But this year, they're bringing back a lot of guys that are key, and that's where, yeah, I can see that path, but it's all about are they now – because I agree, they have more talent than they've had in a long time. Can they yeah. put it all together and finally get over the hump? Because to Scott Satterfield's point, it's the talk doesn't matter. You got to actually oh. show what you show what you got to do, and that's where you got to get to. And you know, it's, it's possible. I'm hoping they get there. I think there's plenty of things that show that they could. Yeah, here's the storyline. This will be the last thing, and we'll close and switch out to the next topic here and get into some of the positional previews. Uh, but I think, you know, the one storyline for me, there's a number of different ones, like I talked about, Malik Cunningham, his development, the running backs, the offensive line, defense, can they take the step? Uh, are the transfers going to be as impactful as you need them to be to be the, the kind of next tier team that you want to become? Uh, but I think the, the, the biggest storyline and why this fall camp is so important is because you need guys this year. I think it exposed more than ever last year. You need guys who are in depth chart number two or they're that or guy or maybe they're even in the third spot. Keith, you need the, the Cam Wilson's. You need the Marvin Dallas's. You need the, the uh, Josh Minkins. You need these guys to take big leaps and take what they the lumps that they took against Kentucky and Air Force when they got exposed the Rance Connors, the Derek Edwards, these guys, they need to become substantially better. We need to see more of these guys become impact and difference makers. Victone Brown, Popeye Williams, like these guys need to become more instrumental into the success of Louisville because we've seen the last couple of years on the basketball side and number of football teams that when you're one and you're two and your three best players start to struggle or somebody gets injured, then your football team is a completely different team. And that next man up, can can expose you and that's what happened to louisville so how much better can those guys become in the pursuit of of becoming the next you know one of the next teams to be able to compete in the acc um all right let's transition here the way we're going to do this for the rest of the 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 uh, off season as we step into the regular season is we'll break this down each episode into a, an offense and defensive position today we're going to look at the quarterbacks from the offensive side uh and to to kind of uh keep the entire group together uh, we're going to look at the secondary as one on the defensive side. So, Keith, let's start with the quarterback position. It's got to be one of the positions you feel the most comfortable with, with Louisville having Malik Cunningham in his fourth year starting or third year starting. Uh, but uh, just a general update on the position. I like to kind of give fans who maybe are just now checking in a little bit of an update. Uh, but the interesting thing is Louisville brought back, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, all three scholarship scholarship quarterbacks from last season – Malik Cunningham, Evan Conley, and Brock Doman. Uh, they bring in Caleb Johnson, who uh, probably won't have much of a role this year before competing for the starting job next year, but will be an, a, an important piece moving forward. Somebody whose development will be worth, worth watching here. Overall, mostly the same thing. Pete Thomas is back for year two as the quarterback coach. So, Keith, uh, Keith I'm going to ask you this, and I know the answer is Malik Cunningham, but what is the biggest strength that you see in this position? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's Malik, but I think the other the other aspect is you also have a backup that's been in the offense for a long time. 
Um, you know, I think that one thing that we all take for granted, and I think last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, we really, you know, you, we saw that injuries injuries happen. Um, you know, fatigue happens. Guys get dinged up. Um, and then you also have situations where you want to be able to, you know, sit your starter. Um, and Louisville was just not really able to do that last year, especially late in the season when Evan Conley got injured. Um, you know, one game that I think stands out, and I remember being pretty just animatedly <laughs> furious about it, is at the Duke game when, you know, Malik is still in the game, late in the game, and it's like, why are they still playing this guy? Well, you know, some of that comes down to how comfortable you are with the guy behind you. You know, they had had they had lost leads, things like that. Yeah. But you, it's, it seems small, but those types of things, like this year, if Louisville gets in a situation where they're up pretty big, you've got to take Malik out of the game. You can't, you you know, there's so much on the line with this season. This is such a transitional, like, huge season for them as a program. You can't risk him twisting an ankle, getting bent back. You can't you can't risk anything. So if you get right. in a situation where you can say, okay, we're up comfortable, you know, the other team is kind of called off the dog, so to speak, you've got to get him out of the game. And last year they, they weren't able to do that um, in, in some of those games. So – you know, little things like that, I think, are, are, are kind of where you look at the quarterback position because Malik is Malik. You know what you're going to get out of him. You, you know what to expect. But what do they have behind him? And right now, we've seen good things from Evan Conley early in his career, not so good, middle of his career, injured late last season. Is he healthy? Is he the guy? Because we saw what Brock Doman could do last year, and to be very frank, it wasn't enough. He can't. He's, he's not the guy that you want to be able to – that you want to have to throw in there. So – um, you know, I think the strength obviously is Malik, but I do think having Evan Conley as a guy who knows this offense back and forth, he's a big leader in the in the locker room. He leads the team prayer. He does all things like that. I think he – I would love to know – I would love to feel good about the fact that we can get Evan Conley against Wake Forest his freshman year yeah. back into this offense because then you feel a little bit better if Malik does get, you know, get, a, get banged up or whatever it may be. You're not – the season's not over. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you're talking about a guy coming off of, I believe, and I don't want to misspeak, uh, lower body injury. I'm just going to say that because I don't want right. to say something that's not correct um, or out there for the for the general public. But lower body injury that's pretty significant, having surgery, missed all of spring. I think I'm a little disappointed, and I I know Caleb Johnson had you know issues with, I think it was like his shoulder in spring. We saw him out there when we went out to the stadium for the showcase day uh, that he was throwing the ball, and he looked great, but – because of what you're saying with the lack of kind of a true backup quarterback, Evan Conley, by all means, could be the future quarterback coach at Louisville football. If Scott Satterfield is here long enough, like he's that kind of guy up top mentally. Right. Vince talks about all the time. He's a guy who's on the sidelines, calling signals, calling plays. Talk, I mean, not calling plays, but can, you know, you see him right there next to Scott, every single play call and everything. He's an extremely important piece, but he's not been good since his freshman year and i've always said it's because when the film came out on him teams figured out how to stop him you know and he, it's because he's not a d1 caliber starting quarterback so I, i'd be interested to see if they can get caleb johnson developed which that number two conundrum becomes a little bit more interesting and how do you solve that at some point because i mean Keith, we got to see him on the field dude i mean I, yeah. I, I, know, I know that right now we're focused on malik being the future right now the present but caleb johnson is a guy who everybody says can compete with Pierce Clarkson. And, you know, I'd like to see him be able to be set up for success to do so. Having him well, sit all year, I don't think makes any sense. Well, I think, you know, when you have a quarterback that comes in in the spring, you know, whether he was injured or not, and it was this non-throwing uh, shoulder mm -hmm. that was injured. So 
it's not like he couldn't get out there and throw the ball around. You've got to find a way to – you're going to find out pretty quick. And, and T.J. Lewis is a good example of this. By the time spring practice ended, it was pretty much a very, uh, very – what is it? What did I say? Not really much of a secret that he just was not going to be able to play quarterback here at Louisville. I haven't heard that at all from 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 uh, about Caleb Johnson, uh, but also I haven't heard anything from a standpoint to make me think that hey, he's going to get in here and be yeah. be able to push for the backup role. But I do think it all come, kind of comes back, you know, Louisville even in their games with they don't have a real you know buy game this year. James Madison is their FCS opponent, who's not even FCS anymore. Um, so I don't really you know, expect them to have a bunch of blowout wins, but it'd be real nice if they could blow out Syracuse like they did last year. Yeah. And I would love to see them be able to bring in these younger guys, a guy like Caleb Johnson, and just get them some snaps. You yeah. know, it, it might just be be out there in a the college environment kind of just taking snaps. And that's that's better than nothing. You know, I think yeah. they they I I personally feel and I feel pretty strongly about this, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They didn't do these young guys a lot of a lot of you know, they didn't give him a lot of help with just getting him out on the field in situations right. where you can play 20 snaps. I mean, you look at a guy like Ben Perry, I think on the defensive side of the ball, outside of special teams, I think he only had like six snaps last year. That's, I mean, that's I, a guy that you know is going to be a contributor next year. Yeah. Got to find ways to get these guys on the field. Yeah. And quarterback's different. It's hard, but you've, this, is the, this is part of the deal. And it's also a factor in how do you make sure you retain these guys with the opportunities they have to just jump in the portal when they, when they can, you've got to get them on the field. I mean, you know, to me, finding ways to do that, even if it's a little bit, shows them what you see them in the future. But it's also a story you can tell to them, right? Like, hey, you know, we're trying to make sure you get out there. You're not going to get a bunch of snaps, but you're important to us in the future, and we want to get you out on the field. So finding a way to do that, I mean, to me, like I said, Brock Doman, I think he's shown that he's not, he's not going to be able to play at this level. Evan Collins earned the number two spot, but Caleb Johnson should be that number three guy where if they really, you know, need to get him out there or if they have a big blowout win, you can play both your backups. He should be on the field at some point this season. Yeah, Malik said something that's really interesting uh, the other day on the podcast, and it's relatable here because he's the quarterback. It had nothing to do with the quarterback position, but he said, uh, and I think I've heard somebody else kind of talk about this, but he said that the staff won't throw too much at freshmen uh, if they can't handle it. They only will give you – what you can kind of, you know, what you can bite off to chew. And I find it interesting that Ben Perry didn't play much last year. And then you hear things like that. It's kind of a little bit disappointing that, you know, they kind of put the ball in the, the freshman's court, it sounds like, to, to be able to prove that they should get on the field. I, I want to be careful of how I phrase this, because I think every year we've talked about this, but coach speak has been very, very much a part of Louisville football. And it's part of every program, but a part of Louisville the last couple of years, we've heard comments about having more guys to play than they've ever had the deepest unit here, the best unit there. Uh, we've heard it again this offseason. I think it was Nick Cardwell specifically the last couple of weeks talking about he feels like he's got a, a certain number of guys and the wide receivers feel like they've got a certain number of guys. This is the year, man. And this is the last thing I'll say about the, the, the non-quarterback element of this. This is the year where if that doesn't ring true, Keith, what are we doing here? Man, if you yeah. don't have 10 guys to play on the offensive line, if you don't have 10 defensive linemen to play, y'all have been recruiting for now four years, yeah. four years. And that's one of the, the gripes I have in this year. And I will stand by this. This is a very unpopular opinion. But if Scott Satterfield can't win with this group, he can't win with any group because they have everything that they have won it all along. They have depth. They have a quarterback. They've got an offensive line, a defensive line. 
They got guys over 300 pounds. They got guys under 300 pounds. They've got proven. They've got youth. They've got everything. If you can't put it together this year, I just don't know how you think at any given point they're going to. Uh, Quarterback-wise, what's the thing that nobody's talking about? That's the the one thing I have right now, uh, and I want to tackle that first. The one thing that nobody's talking about, Keith, is the improvement from Malik Cunningham and NFL throws, which – you don't really think about that when you're watching a game or when you're kind of going about week to week from the season. But if you look at the kind of draft stock from Malik Cunningham, which is important, uh, he's in his fifth year. He's a guy that could follow that Kenny Pickett route of kind of emerging from nowhere to becoming a first round, second round guy. He needs to show a lot of things in order to do that. One of them is those far sideline throws. Scott Satterfield mentioned that earlier with us this offseason. The other element of it is the, the layups. And Malik Cunningham called them that this week being able to connect on if there's not anybody open down the field, being able to turn and look to Jalen Mitchell in the flat on his left or being able to dump the ball down on a running back screen or, you know, whether it's just somebody coming over the middle and not wanting to look for the deep ball all the time, but just kind of taking those three, four, five uh, yard plays. Can he do that in a game? Can he do that in a game when the pressure's on him or does he revert back to hero Malik and hero Malik is fun to watch, but he's not good for the Louisville, the Louisville win column, in my opinion, because he takes away from some of the other things that they can do on the field and makes them a very one dimensional uh team because of how could you not just focus on the guy who's got the ball in his hands all the time uh what in your opinion keith is the thing that nobody's talking about with the quarterback specifically the quarterback position i'd say more i'd say you know malik not running the ball as much i think i think there's something there that i think we've seen over the last two years that he's he's relies relies so much on his legs that it's just kind of an expected part of the offense I think we're going to see uh, a, a drastic drop off in the amount of um, scheduled runs from Malik. I think they're going to really push more to get back to their traditional run game um, and rely on it more. What we saw when JV and Hawkins was here, especially you know year one, um, they really relied on that that traditional run. You know, partially because they could just run behind Makai Becton and and then JV with these home runs. Well, in year two, it was more consistent with the run game, and they had to, you know, Malik started running a little bit more. Well, year three, he just didn't have enough help. Um, and that's just – I think that's partially from a talent standpoint. I think that's partially from the coaching standpoint. I think they I think they put too much on him from a standpoint of like, hey, you've got to run. You've got to use your legs, and they're going to they're gonna do more design runs, more QB draws, more option stuff. I think we're going to see a lot less of that because I think they're really going to uh, – rely on this offensive line and this running back group to, to get where they need to be. So um, I think that's probably the part that I, I think is maybe being overlooked is the fact that Malik's going to be less of that, to your point, kind of the hero ball. But I think also it's going to be less of just, hey, less of the stuff that we've, we've been seeing where they he's got the ball in his hands all the time. More handoffs, more quick pass game, more, you know, design, more – deep balls down the field that aren't the, you know, home run deep balls, but maybe, you know, deeper crosses and deep ends and things like that. That's, I think, what we're going to see more than anything because they've got to find a way to get um, the rest of the offense more involved. And I'll, and I'll point this out. I was thinking about this earlier. I had a good conversation yesterday and tried to explain, explain this out. Last year for Malik was no different than 2016 Lamar. They didn't have a thousand yard rusher. They didn't have a thousand yard receiver. They didn't have a guy that, you know, they didn't have the two, two in year one where he blew, you know, he had a crazy right. big season. 
They didn't have Javion Hawkins where he runs for a thousand yards and, you know, nine, 10 touchdowns or whatever. It was Malik, Malik, Malik. And it's, you know, I remember, you know, Anthony Carlin, he, he made the comment of, you know, Lamar and, and a bunch of dudes and people hated that. I don't, I never looked at that as him really commenting on the talent. I looked at him as everything is Lamar and everybody else is just a, a complimentary piece of the offense. This year, they cannot, they can't do that. You have to have guys that are actual other stars in the offense. You look at that eight-win season in, in Satterfield's first year, you had Tutu as a, was a star, all ACC. You had J.B. Hawkins as a star. And Malik was kind of a, was the kind of the, the piece to tie it together. If they can do that again in a similar fashion where you have Amari Huggins, Bruce, or Tyler Husson being the guy that they've been kind of hyped up to be, if Tyon Evans can maybe be the, the thing that either either he becomes the guy or he pushes Cooley and, and Mitchell to become the guy, that is where this offense can be where it needs to be. And I think that it's kind of funny. As key as Malik is to this offense, him doing less this year is where the offense gets better. All right, let's uh, go ahead and take a quick break here. We're going to step aside, do a little bit of advertising for the site, uh, and then we'll come back with Keith on the other side, uh, and we'll we'll play a game. We've got a fun little game that we're going to get into just to kind of uh, get everyone prepared for seeing some new numbers out on the field, which at week one is always a doozy trying to keep up with who is who uh, as you transition from one team to the next. Uh, and then we'll look at the secondary uh, and what kind of headlines are out there and what to watch for in fall camp and as the season gets here. We will be right back. Stay tuned. You. Yeah, you. Enjoying this podcast? Like sharing Louisville events and news with like-minded individuals? Love being a part of the Louisville community? This podcast is part of a first-of-its-kind podcast network at thestateofwilville.com. With daily news and opinions, seven podcasts, webcasts, and more, the State of Louisville is your home for anything and everything Louisville. Check them out at stateofwilville.com today. All right, Keith, let's do this, okay? We're going to play a little bit of a game. I know you are a Louisville football knower of, of knowledge. You are a guy who can talk about anything. Like, if we wanted to get into a conversation about whether Jatavian Churchill is going to be a big part, part of this team, I think you and I could talk about it for 30 minutes. Um, and so I feel like uh, to get some of the fans ready who don't look at the roster the way that you and I do, who don't study the film and don't pay attention to the offseason, uh, and just to, to see if we can confirm that you know your, your stuff here, I figured we could try out a new game, okay? I'm going to call this game, Can I Get Them Digits, okay? And what we're going to do is I've got some roster questions, specifically jersey numbers, which I know you study this, okay? I know you've got a full-time career. You've got three wonderful kids. You've got a, a, a wonderful wife. You've got a lot of things in your life, but I know you love to look at football rosters. So I trust you'll be able to do pretty well at this. Uh, so let's just dive right in. How's this sound? You good with this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay, let's do this. All right, so question one. In 2022, there are 12 players on Louisville's roster who weigh over 300 pounds. Two of them, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, weigh over 310 pounds. Who are they, and what are their jersey numbers? Uh, Jermaine Lole, number 90, and Tafik Thomas, number 91. Wonderful. Look at that. I gave you a little bit of a softball, okay? They get a little yeah. bit more difficult after this. <laughs> But I knew I, – I thought you'd be able to get that one. Uh, I do, I will say, it's encouraging. I don't know what, like, Alabama, LSU, even what Clemson has, but I don't feel like Louisville's had 12 guys over 300 pounds the last few years. 
I don't feel like they've had two on defense, at least two difference makers. So uh, going to be interesting to see what comes of the size increase this offseason. Uh, shout out to Coach Souders, who uh, has made Yaya Diaby look like he ate Yaya Diaby. Okay. Uh, all right. Question two. And this one is a little bit of a, a bumpy ride. Okay. So hang on tight. Make sure you put your listening ears on. There are 14 sets of scholarship duplicate numbers for Louisville in 2022, with the most intriguing probably being number three with Lily Cunningham and Quincy Riley, okay? So uh, can you name two sets of duplicate numbers and who wear them? Uh, And here's the caveat, okay? Outside of single digits. So they have to be double-digit players. Can you name two players who share a double-digit number uh, can you name two sets of them? So four players overall. Uh, number 11, Josh Johnson and uh, uh, Dorian Jones. And ooh, that's a good one. Uh, 23, Travion Cooling, KJ Cloyd. Jalen Mitchell. That was, Cam- that was a nice curveball. I was like, this is going to be easy. And I was like, ooh, that's, that's all right. I, I like it. I have to, to admit to you, my failure here, Keith, I I missed the first set, Josh Johnson and Debo Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed them. Whoops. Uh, so I broke my rule. I said I'm never calling him Dorian again because Debo Jones is a perfect name. I, I when when Vince told us that he goes by Debo, I my opinion of him changed. I already really liked him. I thought he played well last year and the time that he got in behind Monty, but I, I was like, okay, I can I can I can roll with that. Okay, question. Best U of L gift of all time. He, he, Birdhead, yes, the Cardinal Birdhead. Birdhead. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Very good catch on that one. Okay, uh, question three here. We got two more left before we transition to the, the secondary. How many of the top five Louisville signees can you name and their number? Okay, so out of Louisville's top five signees, how many of them can you name? So a, l- a little bit of a quiz if you can remember the 2022 class here. And then how many of them can you name their numbers as well? That's good one too. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna I, I, you look at every ranking site, so you might have on three memorized. This is two four seven composite, <laughs> just to make sure we're clear. Right. Are we? And we're talking high school. We're talking high school only. No transfers. Yeah. Uh, no JUCO guys in this list uh, either. So all high school guys. So Papa Williams is wearing number nineteen. Which dude? Can we talk about? I love random defensive ends and defensive linemen wearing those random numbers. Number nineteen, and also, number it's, twenty. It's, it's about. I mean, he he had some choices. He could have gone in the nineties if he wanted to. He could have gone. It's probably some single digits to get out. And he went with nineteen. It's very random. Uh, who okay. else we got? Uh, you got one. Ooh, I gotta remember the top five guys. You got um. Uh, if you need to, if you need to phone a friend, I can help you out with naming uh, the rest of the lineup. But I think that you can you can stumble your way into this. It may not be great podcasting time, but you can stumble your way into this, knowing what I know about you. So uh, Devon Mortimer is number twelve. He is, but for the sake of, uh, I, I, did not inc- a- I did not okay. include him. Yes, okay. I did not uh, include him. So you've got, you know, it's bad. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the on the guy's name. I okay. can tell you exactly where he's from, what position he plays. And he is going to wear number, who, uh, it's, Cal, it's Cal, what, Caldwell? Yes. Okay. You're number three here. Jeremiah Caldwell is the name. And he is a safety that will be wearing what number, Keith? You know, what's funny is that the roster screwed up at some point and he was listed as number 35. But he's now number 32? 
look at this. You're, I don't know if that's right. I can't confirm that part, but I do know the roster lists him at 35. They switched him and Antonio Watts, and I, can't, I don't know what number he's going to wear. I'm not going to lie. So it's either 35 or 32 or okay. somewhere well, out there. You get the answer correct because right. he's 35 gonna, on the yeah, roster. I'll get, give yeah. me a half point. Okay. Uh, Salem, no, you, Browns, Salem Browns number 44. Okay, so you've got your top three. And we've already talked about one of the, your number four recruit. We've talked about this number, okay? There's a little bit of a conundrum behind it, if I might say so myself. Caleb Johnson, number two. Okay, and then the other one we've also talked about. You recently named him. Uh, he's actually been the answer to one of our questions so far. He's the only double, uh, the only double dipper here. I, I'll say. Think big, Keith. Think big. Oh, Tuffy Thomas. There we go. Yeah, there we and go. He, and he is number ninety-one. There we go, number ninety-one. Okay. Yeah, kind of sad right. I know these things off the top of my head. I know the roster pretty well myself, but it's good prep to make sure I memorize it before the first game. The last one here, uh, I'm going to challenge you to not name the easy answers because I think you will, but can you name three players who changed numbers from 2021 to 2022? Um, and can, oh, here's can you name the number they went to to the number they are now? That's, that's fair. There are six of them. Six scholarship players who changed numbers from last year to this year. Probably throughout all. So Henry Bryant went from number eight to number ninety-two. Bill Jones forty-four to eleven. Josh Meekins twenty-five to five. Marshawn Ford eighty-three to five. You've got two more. Two more, Keith. Two Two more. Two more. Oh man. Um, Offense and defense, one of each. One is a starter. One is a backup. Okay. 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 I got. Nothing. Okay. Ashton Gelati is going to go from number 97 to number Ooh, nine. I forgot about that. Okay. Which, again, I'm all for these random defensive yeah. end numbers. Yeah, I like that. And then that. our final one is Brock Doman, 7 to 19. I would have never guessed that if you gave me a million chances. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. <laughs> and that will do it for Can I Get Them Digits, a game that I think now, Keith, we've got to make that a staple of each year. That was that was as good as I thought it would be. The name that, alone is great. I've actually changed it. If you go back to the text I sent you earlier, I changed the name when I thought of that one because it was uh, it was it was good. I thought so. Not oh, usually a, uh, a person good with naming our segments, but there we go. Okay, let's transition to the secondary preview. Uh, the last part of our show here, just a general update on the position, just like we did with the quarterback from Louisville from last year to this year. You lose Quinterio Cole, who is now uh, with the Oakland, or with the Las Vegas Raiders. Greedy Vance and Kenai Walker both transferred to promising young players to Florida State and Oklahoma, respectively. Uh, and then you lose uh, TJ Lewis, who was a wide receiver at one point and then bounced around to cornerback and safety. He is gone now to play at Georgia Southern. Uh, and then uh, incoming, you bring in Quincy Riley uh, and Jarvis Brownlee, who will both be cornerbacks. Quincy Riley comes from Middle Tennessee State. Projects to be the second corner for Louisville after a monster season last year. Uh, And then Jarvis Brownlee is another nice piece. It's almost like you traded Greedy Vance and Jarvis Brownlee. Hopefully there's some future considerations there uh, for Louisville from that trade. But those are your cornerbacks coming in. And then you've got MJ Griffin from Temple. Nicario Harper, who I'm going to list here as a safety. But um, Louisville's roster lists him at linebacker. The depth chart lists him at safety. I, who knows, right? If I went to press conferences, I would ask questions like this and everybody would turn to look at me and I'd be like, sorry, coach, I just needed it for my notes. Uh, and then you've got Jeremiah Caldwell, who is a very talented freshman who I am extremely excited. I'm really hoping they can get him prepped to get on the field. Uh, and then two other players from the recruiting class, D'Angelo Hutchin, Hutchinson and Antonio Watts, 
um, who will uh, impact the roster in some way as well. Shavarik Williams. I don't have him listed here, but want to make sure I give him a shout out. Uh, and then returning, sorry to be long-winded here, but you've got Control Clark, Kendrick Duncans, Josh Minkins, Chandler Jones, Trey Frank, Trey Franklin, Derek Edwards, and Rance Connor. So Kendrick Duncan, Josh Minkins, the only returning safeties there for Louisville. Um, so that's going to be interesting. So Keith, all of that to ask you, what is the biggest strength overall for the secondary, both the cornerback and safety position for Louisville? Sounds crazy to say, but it's just it's just the overall depth now. Um, you know, I think at the cornerback spot, you've got four um, four veteran corners now. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to say that four four starters. Um, you know, between Trey Clark, Chandler Jones, who are the returning starters. Uh, you know, Jones and Creedy Vance split time last year. Jarvis Brownlee is a two year starter at Florida State, um, and then Quincy Riley is a two year starter at Middle Tennessee State, and nearly led the nation in uh, pass breakups last year and interceptions. So um, you can't, you know, I don't think that's, I, I, th- I think it'd be fair to say that even as someone who said, I refuse to hype up this defense, they're going to have to show me. It's hard. It's to me, it's kind of, it's been overlooked. I mean, four starters at your cornerback position, not only gives you depth, but it gives you versatility to be able to do things, do different things. But, you know, to me, you know, when you have a guy like Chandler Jones, who a couple of years ago ended up with two, two, you know, ten PBUs and really put up some numbers that were kind of at the level of where we, you know, you, you see a future star out of him. He hasn't played at that level in the last couple of years. But can I, he, I just want to say I'm sorry to cut you off again here, but he, can I? I just want to say this, and I, I hate to be disrespectful, Keith, but he was bad last year, man. He was really bad. He was the easily the worst starter on Louisville's defense. I don't was, know what happened. It didn't make any sense. And I think he, you know, that's the thing. And, and but. You know, you hope that he can maybe if he's the guy that even if he was, let's say, bad, you know, let's say he's the same guy he was last year. If he's your fourth guy, you at least know he knows the defense. You know, you know, like one thing about Chandler Jones didn't really get burned too much last year. Like he, he gave us some plays, didn't really make a lot of plays, but he wasn't the guy where guys are just running past him. And I will say this about greedy Vance, and it's going to sound like I'm. I'm I'm kind of you know hating Salty on the guy a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. Events. I've been watching these games, and you watched the games last year. The guy's yeah. giving up these third down catches. It's him. Yeah, every every single time. I said that earlier yeah. this year, and they, and Matt and Vince both looked at me like I had seven eyes, dude. Be like he's sound, giving up all the plays. It sounds like you're kind of hating on the guy to the left, and and I think Greedy Vance had a lot of potential. But you know, one of the things you go like I'm, I'm watching. I was watching a Virginia game earlier, and I'm like, man, they start giving up these third downs, and every time I'm like, Jesus, Greedy Vance is either getting called for a penalty or he's giving up a catch. You go back to the Duke game where they kept throwing the ball to the same guy over and over again. They just kept picking on him, and you know he gives up 12 catches or something like that. Like it's not, it's not always about the guys giving up the big plays. You know, Jarvis Brownlee, FSU fans are happy to see him leave because he gave up these big plays. And it's like, I was gonna say they feel the same way, like what you right. just said about Green. But to Bay. me, you know, you give up those big plays, you're the one on the highlight, so everybody remembers that. But if yeah. you look through other, you know, that's why advanced stats are advanced stats. Some of these guys give up big plays. Trey Clark gave up like four touchdowns before he got injured last year. He got smoked in the UCF game for two touchdowns. Nobody really talks about that because. Trey Clark is outstanding, but you notice the big plays, but you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to balance that out. And I think that's where you get a guy like Quincy Riley. He's going to come in a get across from Trey Clark as to me, I think he's the obvious starter. I'd be surprised if he's not, but then you have Jarvis Brownlee, who, if you want to play three corners, now you've got three starters in there. And Hey, if you want to play your dime package and put a bunch of DBs out there, Chandler Jones is a starting player in the, in the ACC 
he might not be a guy that's been able to show it every year, but you have that. I take that over. Hey, well, we got to throw another safety in there. Or you look back in what they had to do last year, they would play three down linemen and three linebackers and five defensive backs. Yeah. That that really that's not really a, a a pass a pass defense. You want to be able to throw a bunch of guys that can cover, and they weren't able to do that last year because who are you going to put out there? You can't put Derek Edwards or Rance Connor because these guys haven't played yet. And we saw in the bowl game, they they probably weren't there yet as true freshmen. They're not the guys that can come in and just play automatically as freshmen. So now you have that depth there, and then you get to the safety spot. You have four guys with starting experience. You know, I, I tweeted this out the other day. There are only a couple positions on the entire depth chart where you're too deep. Doesn't Dude, have two starters. You fourteen guys between th- between the, the spots. I said this the other day on the show. <laughs> this is how this is amazing right here. I just I I counted them. I told Matt there's fourteen guys between those four spots. The other yeah. positions have two in each one. What yeah. the hell? It's unbelievable, right? And it was like, what, what do they just get lazy? Just list everybody. <laughs> it's just one of those things where I think you've got to be able to. Like I think you you look at that and it's it's really it's it's hard not to get a little excited about it because starting experience is not just hey these guys well they they were the best player at their position it's the snaps they've been they've been out on the field a lot and whenever things get kind of hairy that's when your young guys struggle in Louisville last year you lose a Monty Montgomery and you're playing Debo Jones. You're playing Jalen Alderman. You're playing KJ. None of those guys had a bunch of experience. Debo Jones hadn't played a lot at all. Jalen Alderman, we all know, and in the UCF game, that was his second play of the season. And they I say mean, he, did the, the, he did the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I there's, there's never get over. It's one of those things where you gotta, you gotta, you know, keep that in mind. Well, now yeah. you've got, you've got Debo Jones as a guy who started most of the season last year as your backup in the middle linebacker spot. You've got the, you know, you've got. Your seer coming back, and his backup is one of the only guys that hasn't played a lot, but you at least have talented depth there. You look at the card spot, you've got Marvin Dallas, who's been playing a bunch of special seam snaps, played a bunch of snaps last year, didn't really didn't start, but at least that that's the worst situations mm-hmm. you're in is those two spots. Everywhere it, else in the it, defense, you have Lole, you have Tell, you have Gelati, you have Roman Roman Poirier, all these guys who have started games for Louisville or elsewhere. That is something they have not been able, to, been able to really get to. And now you have that depth, and it's another little checkpoint of, I don't want to hear excuses this year. Right. You have the guys, and they have a bunch of experience. Nakario Harper, All-American at the FCS level, just like Tyler Hudson, just like Hugh Cole last year. Not Probably, I don't think he's at that level. Him. But that's your, if that's your depth, is having that guy. And then you have a guy like um, – uh Jesus uh Griffin from Temple yeah, who Andrew right now Griffin. is a backup who was a starter at Temple last year yeah. that's huge that's something when, when you need yeah. to bench a guy or when you need to give a guy a rest you don't have to worry about well the guy I got to bring in is you look back I, I complained about not playing Ben Perry last year if they wanted to play a fourth safety last year it's Ben Perry it's a freshman true freshman now you've got a second third year guy as a starter and that's your backup that's huge and that's where they that's to me is a, is kind of the story of where where they've got a lot of depth, especially in the secondary. Yeah, I love the depth. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of names here. Okay, fourteen of them to be exact, and that's not even all of them. There's probably more like sixteen to eighteen. Here's my thing though, Keith. Like outside of Katrell Clark and Kendrick Duncan, uh, I know you got Trey Franklin, who we didn't even talk about. You didn't even mention he had he was second in the team with uh, in interceptions last year. 
Uh, also got burned a lot, but made plays in several games. Uh, Virginia game was one of them. Uh, you got Derek Edwards. You got Rance Connor. Um, you know, some of these guys are, uh, that I mentioned, none of a lot of these guys aren't proven. And I feel like we're guilty as a fan base. And I'm the leader of the of the train here in doing this of just assuming because a guy is on the roster and he was a, a, a key addition in the offseason that he's going to be uh, an important piece. Right. You can go back to Ty Tyler, TJ Hall. Uh, a number of different transfers or guys who just haven't panned out that we said would be good. And I worry with the safety position that you've got a, a far too many question marks. Like last year, we knew that Kendrick Duncan and Q Cole were going to be studs, right? Like we knew that this year, like, yes, we all think Josh Minkins is going to be a breakout player, but we haven't seen that proven last time, you know, no offense to the fellow. But last time we saw him, he was on his ass because he got juked out of his shoes against air force. Right. And yes, he's had a big offseason. He's going to be a great player. Don't get me wrong. Don't take that as a slight, but just remember that's the last memory we have of him. And then Nicario Harper is coming up from Jacksonville State. Can he make that jump? Not every player can. Jeremiah Caldwell is a freshman. MJ Griffin was a starter at Temple, but does that mean that he'll mesh with this defense or see the field? There's just a lot of, of questions at safety this year that if things don't go great, you could point to and say, well, there's a lot of unproven pieces, and we just kind of assumed that they would be good. And I think that's the biggest question for me. Uh, and I'll, I'll ask you the same thing. What's your biggest question? But I just worry that if these unproven pieces don't pan out, well, then you're talking about a lot worse than where you were last year, where at least you had two guys that you knew that you could count on to be out there every single play. Yeah. I mean, for me, that, I mean, safety is definitely the question. I mean, it's, it's, it's hundred, you're, you're not wrong at all. I, I think the, the difference for me, I don't. I mean, because I, I I do think Hugh Coles was, was great last year. Don't get me wrong. You know, I don't. He was wanna, great. Yeah. You know, really I think he was a really him. great player for him, and he really was better than I expected. I do think that the biggest issue at safety last year was the fact that they just flat out could not play any really, really anybody else other than those top three guys. And I think that you know, one of the things I would love to see, um, and I hope we do see, is you know using these guys in more versatile situations where you can play guys in different spots. So, you know, third downs, you know, I, I you know, we, we, we've talked about who can they play? What do they do? One of the things I would love to see is, you know, Josh Miggins is the only safety that can play both spots. You yeah. know, he's been playing free safety up until now. And now they moved him strong. That's great. Well, now can you put Josh Miggins in free safety, put, you know, MJ Griffin in there strong and then walk Kendrick Duncan down as your, as that extra linebacker and say, hey, you're going to play closer line. He's got the size, obviously. He's yeah. got the speed. And now you have, instead of having – I mean, last year there were times when I'm like, I can't believe, <laughs> to be flat honest with you, they're playing C.J. Avery and Dorian Jones on a third down. Both those guys don't have great foot speed. Neither one of them is covering anybody. Right. Speak, and so, so I would love to see that, okay, we're going to throw Monty out there and yeah. we're going to throw Kendrick Duncan – you know, and Monty can be the, you know, we look, we know he loves the rush passer. He does a good job there. He's your guy that's maybe your blitzer. And then you got Kendrick Duncan maybe spying the quarterback. How many times did we see quarterbacks get out of the pocket and run for the first downs on third and fourth downs last year? Because who's going to chase him down? They just didn't have that foot speed. So to me, I think on, you know, when you look at your base defense, I think Josh Biggins, I, I was really happy with the way that he progressed. His freshman year, when he got out on the field, you could tell that it was just the moment was too big for him. He looked uncomfortable playing football, which is not great, but he was also too too small. Now he's up around 200 pounds. And I think even in that Air Force game, when he looked terrible, you're, I'm not, you're 100% right, I think he still ended up with eight or nine tackles. He was throwing his hat in there. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think he's comfortable playing football now. He's back to being that high-level player he was in high school, and he's kind of getting to that point where he's just out there playing football again. So I think if he can take that step, I think you also – when you have competition, and I, I've been stressing this from day one, and I think that's where when – when Louisville staff first got here, one of the hardest things they had to do is that your starters are, are it. You don't have guys that are going to push them anywhere. When you look at even the offensive line was a spot that I always talked about when they first got here. It's like, what else are they going to do? They've got six total guys, and two of them are centers. So there's nobody behind Beckton. Tyler Haycraft's your right tackle out of just necessity, and he played outstanding. But that was because who else are they going to play there? They didn't have enough offensive linemen to play spring practice. They were just putting the five guys they had. So now you have that competition across the entire roster. Yeah, I mean, I think wide receiver, there's a little bit of, you know, you want more competition there. But think about the fact you have Braden Smith, who was a starter last year, who's going to have to try to fight Amari Huggins-Bruce for a spot. Every practice should be getting their best, right? So right. safety is the same thing, and corner is the same thing. And you hope that that pushes those guys to play at their best and gives the def- gives Brian Brown and Wes McGriff options to say, hey, this guy's not cutting it. I got another guy to put in there. You bring up Brian Brown, and I was thinking about this a few minutes ago. I wanted to ask you about play calling on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, we've got co-defensive coordinators again. Court Dennison is out. Wesley McGriff is in. They are kind of tag-teaming. The secondary coach, I think, is the title for Wesley McGriff. Uh, Brian Brown doesn't have a position group anymore, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? It depends on where you find the information. Yeah, I, I just seems like that, but I'm not totally sure. I, I, I checked the I, roster, the coaching roster. Exactly right. Yeah, I've been trying like, to figure that out. I was hoping somebody would ask him, and nobody asked him today. So, who knows, yeah. man? Or yesterday? Well, we saw a lot of um, you know lax coverage, not uh, you know zone coverage per se, but we saw some interesting decisions and in key places for Louisville to play. You know, just seven eight yards off the ball uh and a lot of the times Ole Miss specifically is one that comes to mind they got burned on slants and crossing routes and short hitches and all those things all day long uh how do you envision if you've even thought about this how that uh, the the kind of coaching changes there might impact play calling on what that looks like because I think we remember last year Brian Brown talked about regretting he verbalized I regret kind of calling these these, you know, uh, relaxed coverages and key moments. So how do you see that kind of impacting the overall play calling and how they use the secondary? Do you envision more press coverage with some of these more these guys you can trust, or do you still think they'll kind of roll with that kind of backed-off coverage? It'll be a mix. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, you can even go all the way back to when he was calling plays at App State. I mean, they weren't always a press team, but they were definitely not a, not a team where, your corners are backing out of coverage and things like that. It's, 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 here's the thing. And I, you know, I think Brian Brown had plenty of opportunities that he could have been better last year. Um, but he just, he didn't have the talent that I think we all thought he did. Trey Clark never had an issue playing off coverage. He never did. I mean, he made, he had plenty of pass breakups. He had picks playing off coverage. It was never an issue. Trey Franklin, his, his interception against Virginia was playing 12 yards off the ball. Yeah. But, when the when when it comes down to it, he read the play, made a break on the ball, and picked off the pass. They just didn't have that last year. And and you know you look at the other corner spot where across from Trey 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 Clark, it was not as good as I think people thought it was. And right. I think I think you know one of the things I, I heard I, I was talking to somebody back when people were freaking about freaking out about the transfer portal, 
And someone said this to me out loud out of their own mouth, and it killed me. And I still <laughs> think it's one of the weirdest things to me. They said the biggest transfer they lost last year was Kanai Walker. And I said, why? I said, why? what do you mean? He had no film. And he said, well, he went to Oklahoma. And I was like, that's why you think he's – I was like, that's it? He said he played like 10 snaps last year. He only played in two games. I said, that is not how you judge whether you gotta, whether or not that's a big deal. And I said, that is it, – it, it's a thing that kind of hits me. And I'm like, I think that when Greedy Vance went to Florida State, people were like, well, yeah, that means he's really good. And I'm like, Florida State has been terrible for years now. It's a name. And don't get me wrong, I, I think I, I think Greedy Vance coming back this year would have been huge for Louisville. I think he's he's just – it's it's about developing players. And he was getting better. But he got beat a lot last year. And when you play that off coverage, it's not just, hey, why, it's not always about the call. It's about how you execute the play. Hell, the coach I hate more than, God, anybody on earth right now said the best thing this summer, Mike Leach. He said, it's not about scheme. It's about executing. And so if your play call is that you're going to be at eight yards off the ball and you don't backpedal and you wait till the three-step drop comes out and you try to make a play on the ball, and you don't do that, that's not the coach's fault. You're just – you made a bad play. And you saw that a lot. When you watch Trey, Trey Clark play on the other side, he does not have those issues. He's playing the same coverage as the guys on the other side. But when you do that and guys back out 12 yards, you can't help but say, like, what are you doing? Like, you're already eight, nine yards off the ball on a third medium. They're just trying to get a first down. And sometimes you're going to get beat over the top, and that happens. But that's the gamble that really is, is the play. So I think it's not about press coverage as much as guys playing the play correctly. And when we saw that happen last year, it worked. There are plenty of games and I've, I've, plenty of plays throughout the games where you see the pass rush, pass, pass rush get to the quarterback or get pressure and, and force a guy out of the pocket, this, that, and the other. There's, and you maybe don't make the play, but people freak out. It's like they need to bring more pressure. And it's like the quarterback's running for his life. The pressure's there. Guys just have to execute and make the plays. And I think that is where having these four corners, really, the, especially to me, Chandler Jones, I, I, I'm, I'm including him in that. But I do think that bringing in Quincy Riley and Jarvis Brownlee, you have the opportunity to get, have guys out there that can make the play on the ball like Trey Clark did. I, have a, I am very high on Quincy Riley. I think he can have the same impact as Trey Clark. If they have those two guys out there at corner, I think we'll see the pass coverage improve a lot. You know, that's that's at least my my feeling on it now from based off what I've seen. But they just didn't have that last year. And it, it really limits what you can do because here's the thing. You play those guys in press coverage, they're probably getting beat too. And now you're giving up bigger plays instead of just giving up the third downs. Yeah, I thought the defense was interesting last year and the fact that uh, in 2020, they led the country. I said this a number of times. They led the country and dropped interceptions. That's not a stat yeah. that was tracked, but by my eye, they had like <laughs> at least like 12. And but, I know for a fact you win the Notre Dame game if you catch one of those picks. Maybe two, yeah. it's a blowout on your end. Um, and there are several other games where in 2020, Louisville just picks balls off and doesn't drop them. They win the game, right? Um, and last year, they weren't near the ball anywhere near as much in fact they went back i think they finished somewhere in the 80s in pass defense last year after being in the top 20 the year before just really interesting the dynamics there um and so that's going to be kind of worth watching this year the secondary is the big weakness which is kind of interesting to say considering the defensive line has been that the last couple of years but uh definitely going to be worth watching 
Uh, Keith, what's what's the one thing before we get out of here? What's the one thing that no one is talking about with this group? You might have uh, answered that in passing, but what's the one storyline or just the one thing that you're kind of watching that no one else is paying attention to? I do think that it was overlooked that they were better from a standpoint of, you know, past breakups. And when you bring in these guys that can play sticky coverage, that's where to me, I, I don't I, I think that Quincy Riley obviously played at a lower level. But football is football. You know, when yeah. it comes down to it, you got to go out there and make plays. And Trey Clark played at, you know, Liberty before he got here. Yeah, and Keith Cole was at can, Alcorn State, you know. Right. Like, if you can lower. play, you can play. And we see yeah. it in a draft every year. There are guys that from all over the country to get drafted. There's guys in the NFL that are yeah. stars and get drafted out of nowhere. To me, I think that, you know, the big thing with the secondary last year was that they 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 had such a hard time making sure that they were sticky in coverage where it makes it hard for the quarterback to make an accurate pass and it makes it hard for the receiver to bring the ball in. That's 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 secondary play. That's it. It's not always about intercepting the pass. It's not even always about breaking up the pass. But you've got to make it hard for that pass to be completed. And sometimes that means that the ball's overthrown because a quarterback, hey, I'm going to try to put this in a tiny hole, uh, and they're just trying to, you know, they're overthrowing things like that. We see it all the time, and those plays never get noticed. Well, that's what Louisville has to be able to do. And I think that when you bring in starter caliber players, no matter what, these guys were able to play over other college football players. That that means something no matter where you're playing. And, you know, I think that's the part to me that I think is getting kind of overlooked because, you know, to your point, you know, they've had some trouble getting other guys that have started other places. In the secondary, to me, if you can play, you can play. And, you're better off getting those guys in here than hoping that a guy like Derek Edwards or a guy like Rance Connor can take that next step because these guys have played a ton of snaps. I mean, like I said, Jarvis yeah. Bradley is a two-year starter in the ACC yep. playing for Florida State. Florida State recruits four-stars still and five-stars still, and he's playing over those guys as a low four-star, high three-star recruiter, whatever it may be. But he played over those guys that are, that, you know, are, are very talented. Right. And I don't care whether or not, hey, he got burned a couple times. He made plays there, and he kept his starting spot for a reason. We all know you can't play. They don't. You don't get to just keep going out there and playing the game. So if he's still starting every game, there's a reason he's out there. To me, I just think that they they bringing in those guys is such a big part of where they can really be, and it's really a key to the entire defense to me because I think the the pass rush and the entire de- defensive front showed a lot last year, even though they lost money. And even though they had plenty of games where they really got burnt, they really had some moments. And if you're bringing back those guys and you're bringing back the core and adding Jermaine Lole, the pass rush should be improved. They should get teams in third and longs like they did plenty of times last year. But this time they should actually have guys that can cover. And I think that's where I'm excited about what they can do on the secondary. It is certainly going to be interesting to watch over the next 30 or so days before Louisville takes the field against Syracuse uh, to start the season week one on the road. Keith Wynn of Card Chronicle, thank you so much for joining us. This has been uh, another great episode. I've said it in the tweet to you this week. You lead the uh, podcast in episode appearances outside of myself, Vince, and Matt. That's something to be said. I mean, that kind of clearly marks just kind of your talent and your specialness and what we see and your football ability. Obviously kidding. You know far more than any of us. Uh, But it's been a great episode. We appreciate you lending your expertise. Cardchronicle.com is where you can find him. Keith, what what are you writing about? What what are the people going to be kind of able to read from you over the next couple of days and weeks as we get closer to the season? 
Uh, position preview should start next week. Um, looking forward to doing that. I've got some stuff about the guys that did transfer about potentially throwing some, you know, maybe some video stuff. All depends if my real life uh, still takes over, if I get to actually do my cosplay. Nah, sports your, thing, so. your kids don't need you. Yeah, not at all. So, no. um, so we'll see. But uh, definitely position previews. Uh, and then we'll get to the opponent stuff here pretty soon. I'm really excited to get back to football, man. You know, writing about Syracuse. It's, it's super exciting. But, you know, it's what I like, love, love doing. I love to make sure the fans know who we're going up against and who the key players are. And, you know, that should be coming up soon. Yeah, I, I will say, and I don't say this because I'm your friend, I'm your neighbor. You educate the masses here uh, when it comes to the X's and O's. I've always enjoyed the quarter-by-quarter reviews of games uh, for the last five, six, seven years. Those have been a staple uh, in my post-game uh, reading up and just uh, understanding what happened on the field. So you guys can check that out at Card Chronicle. You'll find him on Mike Rutherford Show uh, on the Big X over the course of the next several months cardchronicle.com as well as i'm sure the mike rutherford podcast keith is going to be everywhere the most popular guy in louisville during football season so be sure to check that out uh, as far as the state of louisville be sure to check out stateoflouisville.com the website has got a new look a new fresh feel to it be sure to check that out a ton of great content covering every single louisville uh, sport across the board there as well as other culture uh, and sporting items within the city of louisville so stateoflouisville.com be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already from the pink seats is uh, the name of the show find us anywhere you get your podcast we just had malik cunningham and our week zero preseason preview next week we will be joined by louisville offensive former louisville offensive lineman uh, and former color commentator alex cupper to talk to the offensive line the defensive line a ton of great stuff here make sure you're subscribed to the show give this guy a follow on twitter keith what's the twitter handle i i wish i had it up but i have i've started to shut the show down where are we at on twitter keith underscore win there you go make it easy for you be sure to give me a follow at jacob lane 08 at the state of blue at pink seats pod we will check you next week alex cupper joins the show until then go cards wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it i got a huge assist from grammarly an ai writing partner that helped me make my point 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.